You're listening to Pros Like Us, brought to you by NFL Draft Blitz. And now, without any further ado, here's Alex and Lou. That's right, gang. We are back and better than last week. We hope the draft is in the books. Uh, UDFAs are moving around and getting signed. Impressions, what we liked, what we didn't like, surprises, uh, what's going on with the wide receiver market. And I guess what would probably be my favorite part of this is where did the pros like us alumni go in the draft and uh, as UDFA. So with that, we'll bring in uh, my partner here, Alex. Alex, what'd you think of the first round and what were your general impressions? Well, the first five picks of the draft were all on the defensive side of the ball. That was a little bit surprising because it felt like a couple of offensive linemen were going to make it into the top five. This was the first time since 1991 that the first five picks of the draft were all defensive players. I thought that was an interesting nugget. There were also a record nine trades made within the first round. And that's the most since the 2004 NFL draft. Alex, bring in the analytics and the history to it. I like it. Yeah, I just, I felt like, you know, you talked about it last week, that new GMs coming in, you know, it's the first go around, you know, they're aggressive, they're young, they're not going to hold back. It's a new breed and these guys are willing to trade players, picks, whether they move up and go all the way from, you know, 32nd to 12th, I'm talking about the brad holmes and the detroit lions whether it was some other teams also making some aggressive moves they're willing to do this and like i said there's no holding back i mean this is the new nfl you're willing to mortgage your team for the future in order to make your team better for today so none in the top 10 though that's what i thought was we had a record number of trades but they all started it was all like 11 and down Right. That was kind of interesting where these, like you said, as aggressive as those guys are, I think maybe they just recognized uh, where the real value was in this draft and they just stuck and picked. I think you had about maybe like 14 or 15 guys that were truly like first round picks. And I just think the rest of them, and we talked about it last week that I felt and a few general managers also felt this way based on the way they picked that. From 15 to 60, you're basically getting the same value. So some teams felt like, okay, I'm going to get this player because I feel like he's my first-round talent and I'm willing to trade up for him. Some general managers were like, no, I can get the same wide receiver later on in the draft, like on round two or round three. That's what a lot of wheeling and dealing had to do with. Also, I wanted to mention that you know we always, like in the past, talked about Florida State the USC Trojans, the Miami Hurricanes. Well, the Georgia Bulldogs, they had five defensive players selected in the first round. It's the most players on defense from one school to go in the first round ever. And I think they had like a total of what? 15 players selected from Georgia. They just to your point, I mean, it was a lot, right? I mean, probably more than any other team. I mean, obviously that program is loaded. Kirby Smart's done an amazing job and it's just going to continue. I think maybe their best defensive lineman is still on the team. Uh, so you'll probably see him as a top five or 10 pick next go around. So now yeah, obviously the, the Packers like the defensive players from Georgia. 
Well, we were definitely reminded once again that passing is king in the NFL because on offense, we had six wide receivers that were selected within the first 18 selections. And during this weekend, not only were six receivers drafted in the first round, but 17 were drafted in the first three rounds and 28 receivers were drafted overall. It's just once again proving the point that everybody's trying to get those wide receivers. Everybody's trying to maybe get those players and lock them up for five years so they don't have those problems, you know, drafting those guys on, the, on day two and not, not giving them an extension. So if we're talking about the first round, we were kind of prepared for it, Lou, but I am shocked that the Jacksonville Jaguars went with Walker, number one overall. I think it's preposterous. It's ridiculous. I think Trent Baalke is going to get fired in a couple of years, particularly for this move. I always say, if you're a wide receiver in college and you don't catch passes, like you're not productive, you're not going to be productive in the NFL. That's what statistics show. Same thing with edge rushers. Look, if you're not getting those tackles for loss, if you're not getting those sacks, your athleticism, your speed, it's not going to make any difference in the world, even if you're coached by NFL premier coaches. You know, whether it's defensive line or linebacker coaches, you're not going to get better. And if you want to get an edge rusher, whether it's a defensive end or a 3-4 outside linebacker, look at production. And I think Balky just completely disregards that fact. And I think it's going to it's gonna blow up in his face in a couple of years. Well, my only pushback there, and I yeah, I guess I would have probably taken Hutchinson too. But I think at a certain point, it just became more and more apparent. Now, we talked about it during the course of the last few shows that, you know, Walker looked like was going to be the pick. And he was because it was Balky making the pick. But Walker's not really a one-trick pony, so I don't think it would. It's not going to be like a bust pick. Obviously, these guys are going to be joined at the hip for their entire careers. One versus two, uh, Mariota and Winston. You know, there have been many other instances of this going through history. But again, these guys are the same position at the top. And you talked about that Georgia defense. There's only so much to go around, and a lot of games that they played. I think, you know, were kind of blowouts. I don't know if the opportunity was always there for Trevon to be strictly an edge rusher. So that's what they're really banking on here. And again, is it the right choice? We'll see. But yeah, I mean, if you're going to stake your reputation on it, you would think, yeah, you would go with the productive guy. But, you know, again, going back to this wide, this wide receiver, the whole thing, it, it's just going to continue to unfold. And again, this is something that we've been talking about as well for the last few episodes is where the NFL is going and, you know, who's going to get paid, how much they're going to get paid, who's willing to pay these wide receivers and who isn't. Obviously, Tennessee decided they were not because... You could have kept A.J. Brown. I mean, there, there was no question that they, and they probably should have kept A.J. Brown. But Howie Roseman, you know, he's like, okay, you guys don't want him. You know, we'll take him. We'll get this deal ironed out. And again, going forward, the question is going to be, can you compete or can you contend and be a championship team if you're paying your quarterback top dollar and paying a wide receiver top dollar while trying to still field a very competitive defense, elite pass rusher, great left tackle. Can you pay them all? 
And I guess the first real test case will be Cincinnati when Jamar Chase and uh, Joe Burrow come up. And who knows with Cincinnati, they've always been a pretty frugal group. But yeah, I mean, I thought Philadelphia hit it out of the park there. And New Orleans, you know, obviously they trade up, they, they go for Olave, but... When you look at the moves that they made before the draft and during the draft, they end up trading like five or six picks for for Chris Olave, which is a great player, no questions asked. But basically, to move around a little bit and get up to number eleven, they spent a lot of capital to get Chris Olave. So hopefully, you know, they go to that Ohio State well again and they get well. But my biggest surprise, the biggest surprise to me, was not the player. And not that somebody came up to get him, but it was Detroit coming up from 32 to 12 to get Jamison Williams. When you would have thought, and again, coming in, the wisdom was, well, maybe the Packers will do it. Maybe the Chiefs will do it. But again, those groups, they're a little bit more, you know, sticking with their guns. They knew they had to get better on defense, and they kind of let the board come to them, made some moves during the course of the draft, but they didn't make that big splash move. And that's what really surprised me was Detroit coming up for Jamison Williams. I mean, that was the big shocker was that Minnesota traded from 12 all the way down to 32. That was my biggest surprise, actually, of round one, was that it was Detroit that did it. I'm also surprised that teams aren't shy trading within their division. It doesn't seem to matter. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like you mentioned, I mean, the Vikings were willing to trade with the Lions. And, you know, Jamison Williams might kill the the Vikings for the next couple of years, you know, two times a year, getting the big play wide receiver. But the Lions needed to make a splash move, you know? They needed to get a playmaker somewhere. And I felt like they got a playmaker on the defensive side of the ball with Hutchinson. And they did the same thing with Jamison Williams. He was the biggest splash player, you know, a guy that can change the game, you know, by catching one pass for 80 yards. He's probably the one guy that a lot of teams were targeting. Oh, no. Again, I'm not questioning the move. I'm questioning just nobody in between did it before them, right? Because they, you know, again, they, they're coming from 32. That wasn't, you know, the second pick. It was a 30. They weren't trading down. They traded up all the way from the bottom. That, to me, was the shocker because that name, Jamison Williams, had been circulating as, okay, we think he's going to be okay. Doesn't matter, you know, injury, whatever. Let's go get him. And you thought, you know, maybe one of these other teams would have done it. But obviously, Philadelphia would have been the biggest proponent of doing that. But by the same token, they just, you know, Devontae Smith, you know, kind of slight build. They went with the bigger guy and obviously the proven guy in A.J. Brown. So you really can't fault them. But it just shocked me that the move was from 32 to 12 and not like somebody in the teens. Four wide receivers went. In the top 12 picks. We mentioned bang, that. Bang, 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 yeah. Right. Yeah, and we mentioned that, you know, the top five were filled with defensive players, but we still had three offensive linemen, offensive tackles that went in the top 10. Teams are still, you know, pushing that premium. You know, the NFL kept telling us, Lou, that this quarterback class isn't any good. Because, I mean, the Washington Commanders traded for Carson Wentz. You know, the Colts traded for Matt Ryan. Other teams were making big splash moves, you know, with Russell Wilson to Denver, you know, Deshaun Watson to Cleveland. But I don't think we listened. You know, I didn't listen. I thought that still three quarterbacks were going to be chosen in the first round. Well, only one, Kenny Pickett, 
goes to his home team, the Steelers, at 20. The Steelers, I think, did the best. I mean, they they blew more smoke up everybody's ass than everybody than I, than I've seen in a long time. Where I think Kenny Pickett, I think, may have always been their guy, and just the fact that they were entertaining every quarterback that they could, I think, was kind of a testament to just kind of this whole thing. And and you're right, we didn't listen, and because it they always get pushed up, right? But then I think you know immediately. Like I said, we did our mock draft, and I think we had, who did we have going to Carolina? I think a different offensive line. I think I gave him Evan Neal. But they went with Iquanu. Didn't think he'd be there, but of course he was there. And then I think at that point you start thinking, all right, but something's not going on here, and these quarterbacks aren't going to be valued as much as maybe we thought they were. And Pittsburgh just let, you know, they didn't do anything. They just kind of sat there and let it come to them. And uh, speaking of come to them, what about what about the Ravens? Does it just seem like every year, you know, they make these little subtle moves? They kind of sit where they are in some cases, and it just falls to them. I mean, I don't know that it could have gone much better for, for that, like their top four or five picks, and maybe all the way through the draft. Actually, I mean, they they got value all the way up and down, and it just boggles my mind sometimes how some teams just seem like. Year after year, they're able to get value, and uh, yeah, it seems like the rest of the league just kind of watches and lets them lets them do it. Kyle Hamilton going all the way down to fourteen. You know, they get the best center in the draft at twenty five after you know moving those that pick a little bit. Uh, Ojabo again, it all depends on what you feel about him and his injury situation. But still, uh, Travis Jones was talking about maybe bottom of the first round and second round they get him in the third. I thought they they did an amazing job. One of our guys, Isaiah Likely, late in the fourth. So yeah, I like I like what Baltimore did for sure. So they're one of your winners, and I completely agree with you. The only thing is they missed out on Jordan Davis. Well, that was their guy. That's you know that's why he was a Raven, right? Yeah, it was fairly obvious. And I think the that's why Eagles... Phil, I think that obviously Philadelphia had to jump them to get him because I'm sure they knew he was going there. Yeah, absolutely. They made that trade to 13 so they can take Davis, but you know the Ravens stayed put. They got Kyle Hamilton. Kind of 1A, 1B. You know, a lot of people made a big deal about his 4.59. Ed Reed was a 4.5 guy, okay? I mean, he dropped in the draft, and the Ravens still walked away with, you know, with one of the best safeties to ever play the game. So, And they got crushed for that pick when they made it. Of course. They always get crushed, and then, you know, the then the Ravens look smart. The Jets have to be the, the big winners, and we talked about it leading up to the draft that Joe Douglas needed to hit a home run out of the park because he had like four picks in the top 38. Well, when you get a Mod Gardner at four and then you turn around and at 10, you get Garrett Wilson, wide receiver from Ohio State. And then obviously they jump back into the first round and they got Jermaine Johnson, the second from Florida State. They clearly had a need there for a pass rusher and they got him. And then you walk away with Brees Hall, who is considered the best running back in this draft and you pair him up with last year's you know fourth round pick and Michael Carter who was more of a complimentary change of pace type of back I just think the Jets definitely improved themselves and I can obviously say like looking at their entire draft that this team is better today than it was you know before the weekend started 
They didn't reach on any picks. They kind of didn't mess it up. I mean, it was it was there for the taking for them, just based on wh- the picks that they had. But they still made some moves. And, the, you know, obviously the stroke of genius. Another surprise, I guess, in the first round is Jermaine Johnson's fall and the fact that the Jets only had to come back up to 26 to get him. So that was the masterful part of Douglas's draft because the other ones were kind of just... I would think anybody in that room probably could have made the other picks, but they still got value late as well. I mean, Max Mitchell at tackle in the fourth round. You mentioned Brees Hall, Jeremy Ruckert. Really didn't get a lot of opportunities at Ohio State, but I think that's another kind of like a sleeper pick. Even though they they, uh, signed a couple tight ends in free agency, here's a young dude that I think is going to have a great career as well. But yeah, those top four picks, how could you go wrong? You got to love what they did. The biggest stroke was to come back into the bottom of the first and get Jermaine Johnson, a guy they probably considered at 10. Who else do you think hit it out of the park? You already mentioned the Lions. I thought they did real well. I mean, obviously, with Hutchinson and and Williams, Pascal, you know, Kirby Joseph, the safety. You know, so they did real well at the top. I think one is, again, a little bit under the radar, HBCU kid, James Houston, defensive end, Jackson State. Again, it's hard to tell because of the competition. You know, I've watched a couple of their games, obviously, because Dion's the coach and they put him on ESPN. So, you know, saw him play a little bit. Looked like, you know, he could be a pretty decent player. Got him in the sixth round. Uh, we talked about the Ravens. I thought the Eagles, given the A.J. Brown trade, really did well. Uh, Jordan Davis, you mentioned him. Guy we talked about you know, a little bit after the, uh, the combine was Cam Jurgens, the, the center guard, if you would, beef jerky. Getting to Kobe Dean in the third, if they were comfortable with the injury situation, to get him at 83 when, again, he may have been one of the best of the Georgia defenders. I mean, I I don't know what anybody's missing here or why he fell, but again, it wasn't a huge class, but I think really the getting the AJ Brown deal done in that short of time, Jordan Davis, Jurgens and Dean, I think that was good enough to put them there. I'm not going to talk about the Chiefs draft because I don't want to jinx it, but let's just say usually at least once or twice during the draft, I'm like I just have to like scratch my head or just like what are they doing every single pick they made i i can't really fault them and of course my favorite pick was fourth round again another one of our guys joshua williams cornerback from fayetteville state little uh division two hbcu it's a, it was a theme for them to get longer and faster corners they went after now mcduffie's not that tall but i i think just his talent was the thing there just the fact that, you know, Williams and then Jalen Watson in the draft, some of the things they did in free agency and some of the guys that they're kind of moving around, some chess pieces, made the trade for Lonnie Johnson yesterday. So I said I wasn't going to say anything, but I lied. <laughs> but, that's, but I liked all, all their picks. But it's interesting, like in our mock draft, you picked George Karloftis for the Chiefs at the end of the first round. And then leading up to the draft, their second round pick, wide receiver from Western Michigan, Sky Moore, you always talked about him as your like personal favorite, right? You've talked about <laughs> him as, a, as an early second round pick. You know, that's somebody they can target. Maybe it's him and George. So Pickens. maybe we're, we're qualifying these picks. They took guys that I liked, so, so I'm good with it. Well, we got to go with that. I mean, as long as you like the picks, I mean, we got to do this. I mean, then you're on board with it, with Veach. I'm going to say the Giants. Sure. You know, the Giants... Uh, focused on the trenches 
in the beginning of the first round and they got Thibodeau with the fifth pick. They got that edge rusher for Martindale's defense, wacky defense, a guy that can bring pressure off the edge. They needed a guy like this for the hybrid defense that Martindale is bringing from the Ravens. And I think he's going to, you know, pair up really well with Ajulari, who they drafted in the second round last year. And Evan Neal, I mean, he solidifies the offensive line on the right side. He's going to be that right tackle. I thought that was brilliantly done by the Giants. I'm, you know, in, in that regard, you know, I praise them for those two first round picks. It's tough to make sometimes picks in the top 10. You tend to overthink it. And they just want with the best guys on the board. As far as losers... You talk about the Ravens as being a winner because they improved all across the board. But I feel like by trading Marquise Brown, the number one target, as far as wide receivers are concerned on the Ravens, we all know Mark Edwards is the number one target for Lamar Jackson. And they addressed a couple of more tight ends. They drafted Isaiah Likely. They drafted my personal favorite from Iowa State, Charlie Kolar. He's going to be the best tight end out of all of them. But I just think... By trading Brown away, now they've got Rashad Bateman as the number one wide receiver. I'm not sure what he's going to bring to the table. Is he a number one guy at this point? I mean, he still needs to live up to it. I think Lamar Jackson was really pissed, and he was letting the Ravens know about it. By I saw a couple of tweets. They weren't too pleasant out there. Let's just say that. I realized that... The, the one was WTF. Again, if you believe the reports, I think Hollywood was asking out... And he asked out, I guess, a couple of times. And very, like, at the end of the season was the last time. So I want to believe that Lamar was, I think he probably knew what was going on. I would hope he would have known what was going on if his, one of his buddies is asking for a trade out. If Arizona was willing to give up a number one pick for him, and you look at the way they drafted, okay, they've got Mark Andrews. They've got Doyle, the, the, other, the blocking tight end, and he was injured at the end of the year. It looks like they're leaning more into like their DNA. They keep talking about, well, they got to make plays down the field. Hey, we're going to beat the hell out of you. We're going to line up in 13 personnel. We're going to have, you know, we're going to do your running backs, tag, you know, whatever. We're going to play good defense, and Lamar's going to be what he is. Again, I don't know. I mean, I don't know that Hollywood was ever going to be what everybody expects him to be in that offense. And I think he saw that, even though he put up much better numbers last year than he has in the past. But he still drops the occasional deep ball on big plays. And he just seems like the the perfect Arizona guy. He goes back to uh, Kyler Murray, his Oklahoma teammate. He's happy. Maybe Kyler's happy now, since you know I think we talked about off air. You know, De- DeAndre Hopkins is now uh, suspended for the first six games of next year. Some PED issues. Is he a replacement for D Hop? No. But I just think as far as just going back to the Ravens, I think that was just kind of them leaning into who they are and not thinking, hey, all right, this guy's going to want big money, you know, regardless of what his production is. We're not going to pay him. So let's get a first rounder here and move on. And they ended up getting Linderbaum, probably their starting center for the next 10 years. 
When you look at the entire draft, who do you think didn't do too well? You know, what moves left you scratching your head? You know, again, I don't, you know, again, it's, it's hard to say didn't do too well. But you obviously, you always look at the Patriots because they, they have their own way, kind of their own thinking about how they do things. And if listening to different guys that have been in the business, they tend to have a much smaller draft board than most. So they keep things pretty tight. At 29, when the Chiefs made the trade up, you know, they traded with the Patriots up to 21 so they could jump Buffalo because I'm sure Buffalo was was going to, you know, going after a, a defensive back cornerback. So they get McDuffie, but they trade back to 29. They give him a three and four. So they got good value in the in the trade. Then they take Cole Strange, who is probably going to be a great player. But could you have gotten him later? They don't give a crap. You know, this is the guy we want. Okay, but at what cost? What's the opportunity? Who are guys you're passing on here that, you know, you could have gotten? And if you were really afraid that somebody else was going to get strange, then maybe move up in the second. But then in the second, they take Tyquan Thornton from Baylor. Again, all the speed in the world, ran the fastest at the combine, but you got a lot of red flags there, you know, as far as, okay, here's a Baylor receiver. You're thinking, you know, is this Kendall Wright? Is this Terrell Williams? Is this Denzel Mims? I don't know. I don't think so. Twyke Kwan's his own guy. But again, Baylor receivers don't really do that well. The guy that typically runs the fastest at the combine, not a lot of production out of those guys. And then the fact that the Patriots don't necessarily draft wide receivers well. I don't know. I'm just kind of iffy. And I like the Pierre Strong pick, although they have a lot of running backs already. Bailey Zappi, uh, again, you know, could turn into be a great player. I don't know if, you know, that particular place in the draft, he probably would have been available a little bit later. Um, but, but again, who knows? These could all be great players. Marcus Jones, you know, could be a great special teams player. Might, you know, start for them because they're, they're down on corners. Again, theirs just always kind of throws you off. Five years from now, we might, oh, these are the greatest picks. But right now, it just seems like it's just head scratchers all around. All right, so we talked about that Kenny Pickett went 20th overall to the Steelers, was the only quarterback selected. No quarterbacks were selected in the second round. But which third-round quarterback do you believe landed with the best team in the best position? And I want to remind you, Desmond Ritter was the second quarterback taken in the third round. He went to the Falcons. Then Malik Willis went to the Tennessee Titans. And then we have Matt Corral, who had obviously off the field issues and that dropped him in the draft he went to the carolina panthers so he's going to be uh right now he's going to be backing up you know sam darnold well probably with the earliest chance to play i would say is ritter now the roster isn't that great Mariota's always had injury problems so there's a good chance he's going to get on the field so again he'll get in there but is it really the best situation for him? I don't know because, again, he doesn't have a lot of weapons. You, you bring in Drake London. You've got Pitts. So they're building. And maybe this is kind of a Arthur Smith rebuilding like in the Titans image. So it'll be more of a run-based offense. And that remains to be seen. So I would say among those three guys, he'll probably get on the field the earliest. But maybe Willis goes to the best situation because that's the best team right? He may not play right away, but 
Tannehill has got a huge cap hit. He's getting into his you know mid 30s now, 34, 35. I think when the season starts, it's hard to say one player loses a, a National Football League game. But, you know, you got nine sacks, you're playing at home, you're the number one seed, you had the Bengals on the ropes, and your quarterback throws, I don't know how many interceptions, and missed a lot of different throws. So that really can't be sitting too well in Tennessee's mind. So Willis goes to a decent situation. And Corrales, I think, is the worst because he may be forced to play because Darnold is Darnold. I don't know if it's the, the light bulb's ever going to go on for him. The coach is on a hot seat. The owner might be a little impatient. So I'm going to stick with Ritter, even though the roster isn't maybe as good as Tennessee, or the situation is he may get thrust into the fire. But I think with Arthur Smith, Fontenot, and that ownership group, I think they're all on the same page, and that's going to be the stable situation. And I'm going to go with Ritter. Yeah, it's interesting because, again, the Falcons went with character. They went with a guy that won a lot of games. They went with the leader off the field, even though his accuracy, ball placement is just up and down. But like a lot of teams with quarterbacks, character and off the field matters. And he's been in a lot of big games. He was a captain. You know, you led Cincinnati to 10, 11 win seasons, and they went with that. And Arthur Smith obviously feels like he can mold him. He can make him better. But as far as, like, if you're looking at the most talented quarterback out of this bunch, it's not even Willis. It's Corral. Corral fits what the NFL, where they're going, where they are today. But the biggest question is, can he conquer some of those demons and can he conquer some of those character concerns that that teams had about him? Obviously, you know, Carolina was willing to take a chance here because they're desperate. You mentioned at the top of the show, you know, our guys, guys that we've interviewed for this show. That's right. And two of them went in the second round. Alec Pierce, 53rd overall to the Colts in the second round. And then Trey McBride, the tight end from Colorado State, went 55th overall. That feels pretty good, Lou. Yeah, back-to-back, same agency group, you know, as far as our shows are concerned, but they went 53 and 55, almost back-to-back on the on the draft board as well. I know, you know, as far as Alex's concerned, I think he gets into a very good situation there with the Colts. I mean, they don't have a lot of depth at the receiver group. You've got Michael Pittman there, but I think he has every chance, probably going to expect him to be that deep threat immediately. I don't know if he's ready for it, but, you know, athletically, I mean, we talked to him. He sounds like a pretty level-headed kid. He's been around the game for a long time, very athletic family. I'm excited for him getting that opportunity, which, oh, by the way, his teammate, and again, these UDFAs, this is all fluid, but last I saw, Michael Young Jr. was picked up by the Colts as well as a UDFA. And then, obviously, you're going to have, like, the biggest crush on Joshua Oh my God. I almost, I almost shed tears. I'm sitting there. He's coming. This is going to be his area, man. I mean, Veach, do it for me. And his name popped up. And I have to admit, I'm like a grown old man. And I'm sitting in my living room watching this. And I think I shed a tear. I, I was, But I was so excited, not just for the kid, but he's got a real chance. And I think Chiefs really made me happy there. We talked about Likely as well. He went in the fourth round to the, the Ravens. We did all right. We did all right. These guys, you know, they went pretty high in the draft, whether it was 
you know, in the second round or the fourth round, they were, uh, you know, yeah. these guys so really some, some other undrafted guys that have like latched on with teams, either uh, they got a rookie camp tryout or were signed. Uh, originally, it looked like E.J. Perry was going to go to Philadelphia, but I think he's ending up in Jacksonville. Quill Glass is uh, invited to rookie camp with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Jared Bernhardt, the former lacrosse player from Ferris State in Maryland uh, with Atlanta. Davis Cheek, quarterback from Elon, is with Carolina. A couple guys in Detroit, Greg Bell, the running back from San Diego State, and the wide receiver from Appalachian State, Corey Sutton, with Detroit. Maybe Bryce Nunnally signed UDFA with the Chiefs, but I think after they brought in Ross, that's still fluid, so let's not look at that one so much. I talked about Michael Young, DJ Brewer, defensive tackle from Coastal with the Jets, and then Michael Griffin, the second uh, defensive back from uh, South Dakota State with Tennessee. Now, we'll keep our eye on some others, and again, these are fluid. You never know. They get reported, and sometimes the it's all the negotiating isn't quite done, or they decide to go somewhere else for either a better deal or a better opportunity, but as it stands right now, that's our alumni for this past year. And uh, I think all these guys are, you know, they're going to compete. They're going to have a chance. Yeah, I'm excited for these guys. You have to get in there and just uh, pay their dues. It doesn't matter whether you were picked or whether you were an undrafted free agent. You got to prove yourself during these camp tryouts or the rookie mini camp or whether they make it to the training camp. And you just got to show what you're made of out there. I just felt like this draft, like overall lack blue chip players like if you look at guys at the top i made a list like who do i think could be like a franchise type of player i just felt like you know i had like hutchinson you know i had a couple offensive linemen in there maybe like drake london but overall i just felt like it lacked that star power low at the top and when we look back on this draft in like three years i think it's going to prove to be right yeah probably but i think it was really deep as far as guys that are going to make teams and contribute and contribute early and i think again that's kind of the way the league is going and again the and i hate i'm going to keep coming back to this <laughs> you know the the wide receiver position and how it's viewed as far as financially and, and you know as far as length of service the age all that is factoring in and and you're starting to see you know a little bit with those top guys getting traded with the way teams are viewing it and maybe not wanting to spend the money i mean aj brown you know Devonte adams and tyree kill on the move and you can down the list and you're looking at teams and obviously the packers and the chiefs said okay we're not going to pay you know, these top receivers. Try to go young for the time being, but we'll bolster the rest of our squad so that when everybody's zigging, we're going to zag type thing. Okay, you're going to load up on receivers. We're going to load up on talented DBs, on a running game, on the offensive line, better on the defensive line, and let the chips fall where they may. So it, we'll, we'll see where this goes. But like I said, that I think one of the first big test cases is going to be the Bengals and how they handle that. How much are they going to pay Burrow, which has got to be you know one of the top three or four in the league contract-wise, right? I don't think anybody's going to argue with that. Then when Jamar Chase comes up, he's got to be in the top five. 
right? I mean, I, I got to believe. I mean, unless he falls off a cliff, which I don't see that happening. So now are you going to be able to contend? Back to your point, as far as the, the draft goes, young, fast, strong, that middle part, those guys, you know, looking for those second big contracts, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, who gets them, who doesn't. And then if those guys can hang in the league much longer because the constant influx of the youth and teams just saying, hey, we're going to go cheaper and younger. Do you think like coming out after free agency and finishing up with this NFL draft, doesn't it seem like the clear cut number one team right now heading into training camp is the Buffalo Bills? They were before the draft for me. <laughs> and then they did pretty solid job themselves, right? Yeah, I, I always I thought that coming in and it, they did not disappoint in free agency or the draft. That is just a very well-run organization. They've got stars. They've got guys that fit into that culture. So McDermott, you know, has done a great job. Brandon Bean, obviously, the architect, has done a great job. Uh, they're getting a new stadium, even though it's, you know, one of the smallest markets in the NFL. I mean, not as small as Green Bay or Jacksonville, but it's pretty close. I'm on board with the Bills. They're really, really good. And the worst team is still the Houston Texans, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they were left, you know, again, you look at their draft. I thought they did a, a, a credible job. They got they got good players. But for how many years, they didn't have a first round pick. They did some draft. They didn't have a first and second. I mean, Bill O'Brien kind of wiped that shelf, you know, of any future draft picks, uh, getting rid of guys that, you know, were their time, you know, DeAndre Hopkins and then this whole thing with Deshaun Watson. That, so, Yes, I agree with that, but I think they're, you know, with Casario, say what you will about him, the way he handled everything with Sean Watson, I think it just was as good as he could do. He got a good haul, and now it's time to start hitting on these picks. You hope Davis Mills continues to develop, and he is the guy they think he was. I mean, I, I think it keeps coming up, but he probably would have been the first quarterback off the board if he was in this draft, don't you think? No, I don't think so. No? So. No. You still think it would have been Pickett? Yeah, I still think it would have been Pickett. All right. But he would have been, I mean, he would have been in there. He would have been under consideration. They like him. I, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, he played decent. You know, I don't know that he's this franchise big-time quarterback, but I think for what they're doing and the way they need to build that team, I think he's a good guy to have there. You don't have to pay him a, a ton of money for the time being. And when it comes time, you know, then maybe you go out and find somebody else. But yeah, I, they're still got a, got an uphill fight for sure. I mean, Detroit's on the come. You know, I think they definitely come out of that contention for being at the bottom. Jets got a lot of good guys on paper, but still that, you know, that roster still has to continue to improve and develop. The Falcons are in kind of a weird position. I don't know that they're really strong on any one area of their team. But, uh, yeah, I would have to put Houston there. Were you really surprised that Justin Ross wasn't drafted? That he was picked up as an undrafted free agent by the Chiefs? I think I asked you about him at a certain... I don't know if it was on air or off. But, again, I mean, obviously it's all medical. From, you know, after the fact, you're hearing that a lot of teams just took him completely off their board. Uh, there maybe I think there was a handful of teams that still had him on their boards but didn't feel comfortable using a draft choice on him. We'll see. I mean, I don't know. I mean, he's, you know, his neck is fused congenitally. Then it's also surgically. He has a stress fracture in his foot. 
it's a roll of the dice. I don't know how much they guaranteed him. It's probably not a ton of money, but they're holding out hope for Josh Gordon, giving him an opportunity. Why not? So we'll see. Yeah, I was a little surprised that, you know, at le- you know, like late, if the Chiefs were going to swing, they had three seventh-round picks. I thought maybe he would be one of them, but next best thing, yeah, here he is. Steelers, you know, once again drafted a wide receiver on, on day two, and he might turn out to be the best of the bunch in uh, George Pickens out of George. Yeah, I thought, you know, again, at the bottom of the first, I thought he was definitely in play there for the Chiefs, but defense was was really more important to them at that point. Uh, Pickens, again, very talented guy from what you could see and, you know, always showing flashes at Georgia. I guess maybe they felt comfortable that they already have a really fast guy from Georgia on that team and McCole Hardman, but... Pickens is a much different player, bigger stature, stronger, taller, the whole thing, probably a better athlete overall. But again, the Steelers have always done a masterful job at bringing in receivers and then developing them because Emmanuel, AB, they always seem to bring in guys that are like, oh, okay, Martavis Bryant, he was kind of a head case, but hey, he he made some plays for them. Yeah. Schuster. I mean, you can go down the list. I mean, even Claypool was a guy that you didn't think was going to be this good. And it's still, you know, jury's still out on him. James Washington didn't pan out. But again, it doesn't surprise me. And they know what they're doing. And, and Colbert, you know, God bless him. He's he's retired. We don't know who's going to take that job. Maybe Riddick comes in and, and finally gets his opportunity. But they've interviewed about 20 guys. So hard to say who they bring in. Yeah, I thought Pickens was definitely in play there for the Chiefs anywhere in that range at the end of the first round, maybe even into the second. But, you know, once it kind of unfolded, I think the Steelers kind of had him circled and got him. Hutchinson. Is going to be an all-pro player, and Walker is going to be out of the league in three years. I'm telling you, Luke, <laughs> putting it out there on the record. It just, He's not going to be just, out of the league. He may not turn out to be like the number one overall pick dominant guy that everybody expects him to. But I don't think he's going to wash out. I don't. There's not like an injury history. He, there was no character issues with him. So I think they got a very, very good player. It's hard to say. Yeah, Hutchinson right now looks like you know was the smarter pick. But you know maybe he ends up being you know what was the guy that he took from Missouri with San Francisco? Alden Smith. Alden Smith. Yeah, maybe turns out to be him without the head case issues and goes on to have a great career. We'll see. Hopefully for Jacksonville, that's the case because you don't want to see teams struggle for years. And I mean, this is ridiculous. I mean, it's going on double digit losses. I don't know how many, you know, out of the last 10 years, they're always picking at the top of the draft. Somebody's got to get in there and fix this. And hopefully, you know, it's Peterson. I don't know if Balky's the guy, but uh, maybe Peterson gets at least the roster galvanized. They play hard and they actually improve. Let's be honest here. When you draft a guy number one overall, nobody wants to hear that he's a good run defender because nobody could care less about that. You want to get home. You want to get sacks. You want to get tackles for loss. When you have nine sacks over your career at a very good Georgia team is loaded with lots and lots of talented players on the defensive side. Are you kidding me? I mean, do you actually believe that with pro coaching, this guy's going to get home more times than not? I'm going to break this down to Balky. He probably doesn't seem to get it. I already know the answer, but he doesn't. It's not going to happen. 
Okay, not going to happen. <laughs> Save this recording, folks. Five years from now, when Trevon Walker's Defensive Player of the Year, we'll say, "All right, Alex." I hope. Where so. are you at now? I hope. So. <laughs> Hutchinson is, is going to be washed up somewhere, and you know, going to be coaching defensive line at Michigan. Yeah, that's that's what Balky wants you to believe. I always feel. How can these guys get hired over and over again? How can Dave Gettleman get hired over and over again when he fails at so many places? He failed at Carolina. He failed with the Giants. Balky. Okay, he he brought the 49ers to the Super Bowl, but we went to the Super Bowl in spite of Balky. Okay, because we had Harbaugh. We didn't get there because of him. He actually, I mean, like, tore down that roster as far as I'm concerned. He's doing the same thing in Jacksonville. I hope Peterson wins that you know power struggle out there, and Balky is going to be out next year. See, you know, just real, real quick here before before we go. Let's see. They got. I mean, they got a couple play. I mean, I like Trevon Walker. Maybe not at number one, but okay, they took him. But Devin Lloyd, one of my favorite players in the draft. Uh, they get him at twenty-seven. Uh, Luke Fortner, the center from Kentucky. Chad Muma from from Wyoming. So I mean, I think. You know, some guys that, you know, had some productive college career in Muva and Devin Lloyd. I don't know a lot about Fortner, but he was, you know, on value boards, if you would, watching the draft, the DJ, Mel Kuyper, and the like, had him rated around that spot. Not a lot of volume, but they got a, you know, they got some guys that are going to contribute. They spent a lot in free agency. It remains to be seen. Yeah, you have to look at the guy's history and think, well, you know, maybe this is, he isn't the right guy for the job. But, you know, he is, he is there. Obviously decided to keep him, even though they got rid of uh, the coach they hired last year. Here we are, and, and now it's up to Peterson to coach these guys up, him and that staff. I would have liked to see them get maybe another weapon for uh, for Trevor Lawrence, but uh, maybe the defense is enough. Who knows? We'll see. I'm extremely surprised about that, by the way. I realized that they gave Christian Kirk a buttload of money in free agency. They have LaVisca yes, Chanel, but he's injured. He's dropped way too many passes. I'm surprised that Lawrence didn't get another weapon. Uh, through the draft we're not talking about the first round we're just talking about maybe day three but they failed to do so and and speaking of weapons it doesn't look like the bears did a whole lot to help uh justin fields out either i mean they took a wide receiver velis jones who i liked but you know i was thinking again i always look at it from the chief's perspective you know maybe in the fifth round or sixth round you know, for you know, USC transfer to Tennessee, you know, speed, you know, height, weight, speed guy, the whole thing. And they take him in the third round. Again, we'll we'll see how that shakes out. But it was Ryan Paul's first draft. Uh, they went, you know, heavy on, you know, offensive line, defense, his roots. So that, that remains to be seen. But again, I was kind of disappointed that they didn't do, you know, a better job of getting him some weapons too, especially as a young quarterback. And they have to assess him and they have to assess him fairly quickly. This is a big year for him. Jesus, give, get him some weapons, get him you know, an opportunity. So yeah, I, did, I, I didn't like that either. I think we'll do what we'll do next week is uh, we'll break down day two of the NFL draft a little bit more and talk more in depth about it. And Maybe, you know, cover some individual divisions as well. 
Absolutely. All right, gang, that is going to do it for this week. Uh, hope you enjoyed the draft. Hope you enjoyed our mutterings about said draft. Very happy with, with the Chiefs. I'll leave you with that. Uh, please hit the subscribe button as we will be back next week. Don't want to miss that one. So for Alex, I'm Lou on the way out. Peace.